0: Radio. Talk Radio.
1: Today, we're going to start with some fabulous news that Nancy Pelosi is actually passing the gavel and announcing she will not seek the leadership position in the House of Representatives. This is your host, Laura Marie. While the red wave really did happen, there were a lot of voter irregularities throughout the whole country. If we had secure, normal elections like we did in Florida, the whole country would be red, just like Florida. It's my opinion, but it's pretty obvious. You know it, and I know it. I'm sure none of you will forget, just like I haven't, we talked about this about a month prior to November 8th. In Pennsylvania, they sent out 250,000 blank ballots to unknown locations. And then in Colorado, they sent out 30,000 before the election, like about a month before. Arizona sent out 25,000. Nevada sent out 20,000. New Mexico, California, New Jersey, Michigan for sure, even Wisconsin. Thank goodness that Ron Johnson actually beat the attempted steal. Remember how they said he was up like eight points and he only won by a very slim margin? And why the polls were off, way off across the country? Think about it. Because they cheated. Here's a good example. In California, how could they call the election for Gavin Newsom within 24 hours for governor? And yet, still today, they haven't called. Two House seats that I know of in California, District 13 and 22. District 13 is John Duarte. He's a Republican with 50.3% with 95% remaining and called the governor's race within 24 hours. And then in District 22, David Valedio. is a Republican with only 86% reporting. How can that be? Doesn't make any sense, does it? But he's ahead at 52.7%. Are they going to do harvest balloting again? I'll never forget in 2018, the first Korean American woman, Representative Kim, she won, eight seats won in Southern California. And a whole week later, they reversed it on her with harvest balloting. They paid $25 to homeless people for their votes because harvest balloting is legal there just like Nevada. So how could they call for Gavin Newsom and <laughs> they still have two seats left remaining? I'd also like to know how the Republicans had 211 House secured seats called and then Democrats had 190 and they started creeping up and then Republicans went to 212 and the Democrats had 201. <laughs> And then on the 18th, Republicans had 219. They secured the house and Democrats had 211. Two days ago in Connecticut, they flipped a seat that was won by a Republican and they gave it to the Democrat by 10 votes in a recount. Typical Democrats, as soon as they get that magic number, no matter how many recounts, they call the election for the Democrat. We're talking 10 votes. Over a week later, they flipped it from a Republican who won. Nothing to see here. Move along. In my opinion, and talk on the street, they stole the House and they stole the Senate. And what I mean by they stole the House is when they rigged this election, they had no idea that four House seats in New York were going to flip red. And one House flipped in Oregon and one flipped in Washington. And if that had not happened, the House would have remained in Democrat control. Think about it. They rigged this election again, but we beat them this time like we did in 2016. That election was rigged all day long, but Trump just outplayed and he beat Hillary Clinton. I came across a clip from Dave Chappelle, and it reminded me of why they tried to cancel him and also why a star was born with Donald Trump. Check it out. I'm watching the news now. that declaring the end of the Trump era now. See how in New
0: York you might believe this is the end of his era. A lot of you don't understand why Trump was so popular, but I I get it because I hear it every day. It's very loved. That first debate, I've never seen anything like it. I've never seen a white male billionaire screaming at the top of his lungs. This whole system is rigged. He said. And across the stage was a white woman, Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama, sitting over there looking at him like, no, it's not. I said, now, wait a minute, bro. It's what he said. And the moderator said, well, Mr. Trump, if in fact the system is rigged, as he suggests, what would be your evidence? You remember what he said, bro? He said, I know the system is rigged. Because I use it. I said, God damn. No one ever heard someone say something that true. And then Hillary Clinton tried to punch him in the taxes. She said, this man doesn't pay his taxes. He shot right back. That makes me smart. <laughs>
1: That was pretty spot on. And why the left has been trying to silence him. Like many of us, I had forgotten about that part of the debate. So much has happened in the last six years that you forget something as amazing as that. Thank you, Dave Chappelle, for reminding us. So I hope and pray by the end of next week, we will have a final count of how many Republicans there are in Congress and how many Democrats. And I must take a few minutes here to commend Carrie Lake. I mean, Katie Hobbs has been in charge of her own election. A year ago, when Carrie Lake decided to run for office, she sent a letter to Katie Hobbs asking her to recuse herself for being in charge of her own election. And of course, she ignored it. Just like she refused to answer any questions by the media, She ran from them, and just like she refused to debate Carrie Lake. Many don't know this, but Katie Hobbs has been sued for racial comments, and she lost. She actually used Arizonans' taxpayer money to pay off the people she lost to. Who does that? Like you, I am so tired of these Democrats. All they do is cheat and give a bad name to the few Democrats who are still moderate, and more trustworthy. I have to say in Colorado where Lori Bobbitt, she won and it's been by a tight margin and their state law requires a recount. Well, her Democrat opponent said, why we have very fair elections. We don't need to do a recount. And he conceded. I'm not sure if they put that in the Republican column or not. I doubt it. But I thought that was very honorable and very rare of the Democrats in office today. And what many are unaware of, and recently came out in Arizona. 40 Republican lawmakers, or basically, the RNC had roving attorneys quietly monitoring Maricopa County voting centers. One has finally released his damning findings. And he reported with the first round of counting over and the battle just barely beginning, some preliminary shots are being fired in what is expected to be a bruising post-election struggle over which ballots should be counted in the race to become Arizona's governor. The media organizations have proclaimed Democrat Katie Hobbs the winner, although the gap between her and Republican Carrie Lake is less than 20,000 votes, which means even in the best of times, a recount would be held. Let's not forget the 25,000 ballots that were sent out in Arizona unnamed before the election. With short supply from the state's battles over the 2020 election, results still fresh. Both sides are digging in, lawyering up, and firing broadsides at the other before the recounting and lawsuits even begin. Recently, there was a report out Carrie Lake, the Her Campaign spent over $2 million to monitor the counting of votes and to be prepared for lawsuits based on facts when and if necessary. These 40 lawyers were known to be located in the war room. With these roving attorneys monitoring polling places and vote counting operations, the Lakes campaign chief's political strategist said, and I quote, This is the most robust election day operation and post-election operation that Arizona has ever seen. (laughs) A glimpse at what the late campaign might use for her lawyers was shared with the Western Journal in a form of report and what they saw on election day. They reported that 10 of these 40 attorneys out of the 16 that have responded to a survey covers 115 voting places out of 233 of them in Maricopa County alone. Overall, they wrote 72 of the 115 vote centers, That 62.61% that they visited had material problems with the tabulators, not being able to tabulate ballots, causing voters to either deposit their ballots in box number three, spoil their ballots, and re-vote, or get frustrated and leave the vote center without voting. In many vote centers, the tabulators rejected the initial insertion of a ballot almost 100% of the time. I mean, I don't know about you, but I saw a live video in one polling place of hundreds of people staying in line for hours to vote. The attorneys attempted that night because of all of the irregularities of the voting machines to extend the time of the closing of the polling place by two hours, they were denied. They were denied. And those poor people had to stand outside in the heat. So with many vote centers, the tabulators rejecting the initial insertion of the ballot almost 100% of the time, like I just shared, they might still accept the ballot on the second, third, fourth, up to the sixth attempt. Is that not crazy? Many ballots were not able to be tabulated by the tabulators at all, no matter how many times the voter inserted the ballot. The percentage of the ballots were not able to be read at all by the tabulators, ranged from 5% to 85% at any given time on election day, with the average being somewhere between 25 and 40% failure rates. In the beginning of the election day, up until the end, the strong consensus regarding why the tabulators would not read certain ballots was that those ballots, in particular the barcodes on the side of the paper, were not printing dark enough for the tabulators to read them. (laughs) This report also said the findings contradict county officials that only 70 polling places had issues, and that... They were insignificant in the entire scheme of the election. That's just not true. The other major finding in the report was that 59 of the 115 vote centers we've, they, they visited, which was 51.30%, in many cases, voters had to wait for one to two hours before they received a ballot for voting. That doesn't include that long line we were talking about. But because Republican voters significantly outnumbered Democrat voters in the county on election day, such voter suppression would necessarily impact the vote tallies for Republican candidates much more than vote tallies for Democrats, right? One reporter said that here, he, he stated that here is the problem with what happened in Maricopa. North Phoenix. At about 1.15 p.m., a ruby-red district of about 30,000 people, only one polling location, (laughs) ballot tabulators were not working in the morning. Two-hour wait to vote midday, and still at 6 p.m. And that's when they called to have an extension, and they declined it. Thank goodness, and thank you God, that Arizona AG is taking action. Yesterday, it's reported that the Arizona Assistant Attorney General, Jennifer Wright, with the Election Integrity Unit, wrote a letter to the Maricopa County officials on Saturday demanding an accounting for the widespread ballot tabulation and ballot printer problems seen during the general election on November 8th. Among the most troubling issues raised in the letter directed to Thomas Liddy with The Maricopa County Attorney's Office was the apparent commingling of ballots in black duffel bags in at least one polling location, which were successfully run through the on-site tabulars with those put in door number three. I mean, even me, I'm not in Arizona, and I even heard through many friends in Arizona putting out a warning, and I believe Carrie Lake did as well, Do not drop your ballots in door number three. I even heard that on election day. The election integrity unit of the Arizona attorney general's office has received hundreds of complaints since election day pertaining to issues related to the administration of the 2022 general election in Maricopa County. These complaints go beyond pure speculation that Bill Gates, the Republican in Maricopa County, was on the news Trashing Kerry Lake, how insulted his little snowflake self was. (laughs) But they put, the attorney general said, these complaints go beyond pure speculation, but include firsthand witness accounts that raise concerns regarding Maricopa's lawful compliance with the Arizona election law. Wright wrote in her statements, made by Maricopa Board of Supervisors, Chairman Bill Gates and County Recorder Stephen Richer, along with the other official communications from the county appeared to confirm potential election law violations. <laughs> right? She recounted that based on information provided by the county, at least 60 polling locations, ballots on-demand printers were configured improperly, leading to the inability of the tabulators to read the ballots. Ballots are printed on-demand Because voters are able to check in at any location in Maricopa County, which includes multiple congressional state and local districts. Based on many sworn complaints submitted by election workers employed by Maricopa County, the BOD printers were tested on Monday, November 7th, the day before the election, without any apparent problems. Despite these tests, the printers began malfunctioning within the first half hour on election day. In light of this, the AG's office wants logs related to when printer configuration changes were made along with other related information. Wright also wanted to know the instructions that poll workers gave to voters who experienced problems with their ballots being accepted by tabulation machines. Following widespread reports of problems at voting locations on election day, Chairman Gates publicly said the voters had already checked into e-poll book, but were having difficulties voting, could check out of that voting location and would be able to nonetheless vote in another voting location. Based on sworn complaints received by many, not only have poll workers reported that they were not trained and or not provided with information on how to execute checkout procedures, But many voters have reported this second voting location required the voter to cast a provisional ballot. So you see, many in Arizona now know that the state law prohibits a voter to cast a provisional ballot who has already been signed in electronically. So this very well could be a reversal of Kelly, the senator, also winning. That would be amazing. You know, Arizonans deserve a full report and accounting of the MIRAD problems that occurred in relation to Maricopa County's administration of the 2022 general election. Arizona GOP gubernatorial candidate Carrie Lake's campaign has called for a redo of the election in Maricopa County in light of all the problems that occurred on election day. Looks like she's got a lot of people in her corner. It looks like it very well could happen. That would be amazing if we can flip that Senate seat and then Herschel Walker wins in Georgia. And that's another thing. Warnock, I have a hard time remembering to call him Warnock. I always call him Warlock. <laughs> God forgive me, but I do. And he's earned that title, running over his wife. And he's not a good guy. Have you ever listened to any of his preaching? He's anti-American, Democrat, communist all day long. There's no way this guy could be a pastor. In July 31st of 2002, He has a mugshot at the police department. He was arrested. (laughs) And then apartments owned by Warlock's church evict homeless tenants while senator, while he receives hefty housing dividends. Homeless tenants evicted. Senator Warnock was making $7,417 per month for housing. He is a corrupt, no good, lying, not good person. And you know, Warlock and Walker are both going for a runoff because neither one of them got 50%. I thought that was the federal law. You have to get at least 50%. What happened in Nevada? Neither one of those two in the Senate race got 50% and they pulled her ahead in last minute. And I also heard on Wednesday when they were still doing a recount or counting the votes, I should say, in Nevada, three drop-off boxes from Las Vegas that no one knew existed, showed up mysteriously and got thrown in the count. And the next day they put the Democrat ahead and that's when they called it. She didn't even get 50%, either one of them did. They cheat and they are stealing the Senate, but they can't steal the house because they did not expect those, like we were talking earlier, those houses to win in New York, Washington, and Oregon. And two days after the election, Mississippi officials confirmed that a cyber attack on the state election websites on election day, no one's talking about that, several Republicans lost their seats because of the cyber attack. Algorithms were in play when voters logged on to the Secretary of State's website to find polling locations and access to other information. They were faced with the site can't be reached page. (laughs) Go figure. And let's not forget Mitch McConnell. He spent $10 million trying to get Murkowski elected over a Trump-backed opponent. Isn't that horrible? He could have spent that money helping the Republican in Nevada, in Arizona, in New Jersey, and even Lee Zeldin in New York. Lee Zeldin did amazing things. We've talked before, before I share more about Murkowski, I do want to mention briefly, Rhonda McDaniel, please step down. She is a disgrace. If we lost this election, I blamed her. I said it in many shows, and I still stand by that. And now they're talking about Lee Zeldin running. He's been nominated to take her place. Would that not be amazing or what? He would be fabulous in that position. So why is Mitch McConnell so interested in this Alaska election? Could it be because Murkowski votes with Democrats and Schumer 60 to 65% of the time? Or is it because Kelly Shabaka is a Trump-backed candidate, and he's anti-Trump, anti-American, anti-mega, make America great again. Either way, it's disgusting. A new low for Mitch McConnell. And then he has to rush his nomination to be the Senate leader for the Republican Party instead of waiting till after December 6th, the Georgia election, like the Democrats, like Schumer and the Democrats did. We all know why Mitch McConnell would not delay, because it would give time for the senators to find a replacement. And with Mitch McConnell's wife, part of the CCP, they couldn't allow that. So he rushed it through before anybody had a chance to vote him out. And last but not least, Uncle Festerman. Remember he fired off last second for the election lawsuit and he was begging the judge to count the ballots with mistakes? Those were the 250,000. It was a rough estimate of how many ballots that had mistakes on them. And he demanded and threatened with a lawsuit, we've talked about this before, to count those with unrecognizable names and the signatures that didn't match or dates that were wrong or even not dated. And the day before on Monday of the election, the government stepped in and they ended up counting those votes. And that is why we are stuck with a guy who will never recover from, from this heart attack, and those who think he can and he's gonna go into therapy, it's all a lie. He is permanently damaged, and he does have brain damage. He just does. I'm sorry this happened to him, but it's hard to have sympathy for somebody who should have bowed out of the race knowing his condition. It just goes to show what a bad person he really is and how he's going to be bad for the people of Pennsylvania and for the rest of us, here in America. And with that, thank you so much for tuning in after this nail-biting election. It's been nerve-wracking. But if you would like to reach me, I'd love to hear from you at talkonthestreet.net or you can just reach me at Talk on the Street with Laura Marie. Because remember, I am our voice, the people's voice, we the people. God bless you. And God bless America. With us winning back the house, we actually have hope. Thank you, God. We'll be back tomorrow. You're listening to Talk on the Street with Laura Marie.